So John chapter 15, I want to read from verse 7, verse 7 to 8. John chapter 15, let's go straight to verse 7 to 8. Now, you will agree with me that it's been a big challenge in us reading from uh, the book of John. And uh, for the past few weeks, we have concentrated a lot on the first eight, uh, the first um, 15 verses, 17 verses. By this week, we will end on verse 8. Then what we'll be dealing with next week will be from verse 9 to 17, in which we'll be looking at the fruitful church as our theme. But the theme today is the glory of fruitfulness. Now let's read verse 7 together as we go on. Everybody want to go. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Let's read verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, I want us to do something a little bit unusual, but it will make sense. Please put back verse 8. We're going to read backwards. Just read after me backwards as you look at the text. And we'll read it backwards to verse 7. Now, it starts, so you will be my disciples. Say, I will be his disciple if I bear much fruit. That way, his father is glorified. Let's take it again. I will be his disciple if I bear much fruit. That way, his father is glorified. Now go back to verse 7. We are going to read it backwards as well. Verse 7. Everything I ask, as I desire, shall be done for me. If, my word, if his words abide in me, and I abide in him. I'm just reading Jesus' words backwards to make sense of what he was saying. He said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, it leads you to have a fruitful prayer life. That was our series in session 7. It makes you have a fruitful prayer life because you'll be able to ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But if you go to verse 8, he now said, by this, verse 8, by this, by this, when you are able to pray, you are abiding in me, and my words are abiding in you, and you are able to pray. By this, my Father is glorified, and then you will find that you are bearing much fruit, and you will be my disciple. So discipleship is not lip service. Discipleship is not, thank you very much for the scripture, discipleship is not about wearing a, a cross or, uh, or putting a sticker on your car that says Jesus kid, Jesus son, Jesus saves. It's none of those things. I mean, not, not that those things are wrong. But discipleship is about bearing fruit. Discipleship is about representing the one that we follow. A disciple is one who has a master or a teacher and listens to the teacher, listens to the words of that teacher and that master, and that teaching or those teachers shape their life, it shapes their thinking. That is what it means to be a true disciple. So he said, By this, my father is glorified. By this, my father is glorified. Why is he saying? that his father is glorified. You see, we must know something about the glory of God. The glory of God is not something that is aesthetics. Aesthetic is not something that is physical per se. Of course, we can see representations of his glory physically. But much more is talking about the beauty of God's character. The beauty of who God is. It is, an, it is a beauty that emanates 
from his spirit. God, the Bible says, God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit. And those that must worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And everyone must understand the word worship there means those that may come to him, serve him. Those that will now represent him. You see, our coming to the Lord is not a religious duty that we just come to the Lord. We come to learn of him. We come to cast our cares on him. We come to take his own yoke upon us. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And then we go out to shine his light. He is the light of the world. He made us the light of the world. We cannot shine because without him we can do nothing. So in the place of coming for fellowship, in the place of coming for surrender, we come to him to yield to him. And what we find in ourselves is that we are able to do the will of God in every one of those circumstances because we are continuously responding to him. And so the glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. God's glory can be seen in all the earth. God's glory can fill the earth. It is everywhere we see God's glory, especially in us as human beings, we must never attribute it to ourselves. You see, the moment God created man, the Bible says he made man in his own image and he breathed into him and man became a living spirit. Man began to operate by what is called the natural glory. Man began to have a willpower. He began to be intellectual, which means he could be creative. He also began to be somebody who was emotional. He could laugh, he could sing, he could, he could dance, he could... He could mourn, he could cry, he could show emotions, and emotions help relationships. Emotions are the glue to relationships. We laugh with those who laugh, we mourn with those who mourn. Identifying with others helps us to have a bond in relationships. It is, that one is all the natural glory of man. And every one of us must understand this. Many, many people are living in the realm of man's natural glory. There's nothing wrong with it. If you remember at the beginning of this year, we said man has the natural ability to be creative. You don't have to be born again to become an inventor. You don't have to be born again to be creative uh, with how you use your time and how you do things. And this is one of the confusion that is in the world today. Many people say, after all, people who do things like, you know, very wonderful things and create things don't always, uh, are not always Christians or people who name the name of the Lord. Some are even atheists who don't believe that God exists at all. And so this confuses man because the extent to which man's glory can shine is undeniable in the fact that it can be great. Man can truly demonstrate that glory because it is an element of God that was put in man to be able to live on earth. But we must all understand that that glory will fade with the end of life. It will fade with the end of time. It has a beginning and it has an end. Everyone that operates in the natural way of life, at times we can even see it starting to fade in physical life. A a young boy, a young child is born and then suddenly every parent's dream comes true when you see them hold those chairs or those tables or that wall, whatever it is, and they stand on their two feet and then suddenly they release their hands and they are walking towards you by themselves. It is one of the most beautiful sights every parent will behold the first time they see their child walk. And it is such a joyful thing. Man starting, to, that young man or young girl, young woman, starting to exhibit his glory, his natural glory. But if you give that child 90 years, 100 years, 120 years, that same child, 
become somebody that you may need to put in a wheelchair or somebody that you may need to support or even if he's still standing like my grandfather stood for 100 and only God knows how many years we gave him 110 because we weren't sure how old he was like he stood till he died and he never needed aid but he took his time to walk at the latter days just like a toddler will, will take steps gently and you see that man 50 years ago that was bubbling was everywhere that could do everything because natural glory will fade Natural glory will fade. Some of the people who were big football stars 50 years ago, 40 years ago, that would shake the world when they mounted pitches and played soccer, played football to the highest levels that existed that time, today are not as agile. Today are not as mobile in many cases because natural glory will always fade. The beauty of man is limited. And so this is why we must understand why we treasure the beauty and the glory that God puts in man. We must never stop at relying on it. We who are saved must understand that God's intention is that we live much more by his glory in us as people he has regenerated. James chapter 1 verse 9 to verse 11 tells us a little bit about how we don't need to be uh, uh, proud and arrogant when we have any glory. I have seen people, when I was a little girl, you saw one of my big aunties here a few weeks ago uh, that I, I called forth and uh, embraced when she came to uh, visit the Martins. And um, I hadn't seen her in many, many years. And I just remember, you know, how when I was a little child and I would go to their house and I would play like any little child here of four or five years old would play. I remembered all that, seeing her that day and how quickly time can fly. We must understand, James chapter 1, verse 9 to verse 11. The Bible says, let the lowly brother glory in his exhortation. James chapter 1, verse 9 to 11 is what I'm reading. When you find it, just project it. Verse 10 says, but the rich in his humiliation, but as the flower of the field, he will pass away. Let the one, let the Rich, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Am I having James chapter 1 verse 9 projected? Thank you. Verse, 11, verse 10 says, But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. As a flower of the field, he will pass away. Verse 11 says, For no sooner has the sun risen, you might need to bring out your Bible to make it easier to follow, verse 11 now. He said, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade. I'm reading verse 11 now, James 1, 11. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. The rich man talks about a person who has acquired things, achieved things, but has no regard for God. He will fade away with whatever he has achieved. And Jesus said, by this my father is glorified if you bear much fruit. So if the Father's glory is in us bearing fruit, we must understand that our being, our abiding in Him and His words abiding in us should help us to bear eternal fruits because the Father's glory cannot fade away. The Father's glory cannot stop. Man's glory may end, but the Father's glory will never stop. 
the glory of God, which is manifested in all his attributes, is never, ever going to pass away. It is eternal. Every attribute, look at the fruit of the Spirit. Every attribute of the fruit of the Spirit tells us about love, joy. God is love. He is the author of joy. He is the source of our joy. Peace. It, Ephesians 2.11 says he is our peace. He has broken down every wall. Jesus in John 14.27 says, I, my peace, I live with you. So God is the author of peace. Everything, everything that has come from him. He said the rich, thank you, but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away. Verse 11. He said, for no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat in them that it withers the grass. As the flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Every one of us must understand this, that we must be people who are in pursuit of the Father's glory. We must not rely on man's glory. There is a world today that is pushing more and more people, even believers. I read things, I read things about believers who will openly say they are Christians, but they, know one, they don't belong to any church. And that always amazes me. It's like my hand cut off somewhere and is hanging somewhere and he it says it's still part of my body. He's a dead hand. <laughs> He's a dead hand talking. <laughs> so I don't know where those things come from. The glory of the saints is being a part of the body of Christ. For it is in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Without him we can do nothing. So it's heretic for any human being to say, I'm a Christian but I don't belong to a church. I'm a Christian, I pray by myself. I'm just on my own. I'm in the secret service of the Lord. <laughs> there is nothing like that. Every one of us must find our place in God and in the body of Christ so that we can continue to be expressing the glory of God. Man can glorify God. When man is born again, he starts to glorify God with the fruit of the Spirit. No man can manifest the fruit of the Spirit without being born again. The fruit of the Spirit is restricted. When we talk about love, nobody can truly love without the love of God at work in their heart. What many people call love is not love at all. It's just infatuation and thoughts and all kinds of other things. Nobody can truly be kind. Kindness can only be because God is kind. God himself is kindness. The psalmist says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Only God is good. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, Don't call anybody good except my Father in heaven. Only God is good. So when we manifest goodness, it's because we are truly walking by the good. Anything else anybody else does is just a demonstration of some sort that is still within the natural realm of man's operation, which may be good, but it's not so much the glory of God. The glory of God is that which can never fade away. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. He said, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. That's Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, for my glory. He said, I have formed him. Yes, I have formed him. Every one of us must understand. When we are born, the Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 3.16. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Thank you for Isaiah 43.7. Leave it there. He said, God was manifest in the flesh. 
And then he was justified in the spirit. We have explained this so many times. Everybody is manifested in the flesh. You were born first. But you must be justified in the spirit to be born again. And then you can start to be the one who is called by his name. He said, let those who are called by his name, or who name the name of the Lord, depart from iniquity. When you are justified in the spirit, you no longer live a life controlled by sin, a life that just wants to sin. But you live a life that consistently wants to be in the pursuit of God. He said, whom I have created for my glory. He said, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And I want us to know some things today. Because you see, when we talk about the glory of God, what comes to our mind is some puffy picture of some cloud around a glassy throne with the streets of gold where God sits and God reigns. And we say, oh, I see his glory. <laughs> that is the ultimate where we will see and we will be living. But you see, right here on earth, his glory is everywhere in you right now. And I'm going to tell you five things we need to know about the glory of God and how it is at work in us right now and how we must understand that Jesus' words truly come to pass. He said, everyone who is called by my name, are you called by his name? Are you called by his name? I want to hear it from you. Are you called by his name? Then you are created for his glory. Never let anything convince you that your life is just one life like that. No matter your age, no matter who you are. He said, he has formed you. He said, yes, I have made you. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you and ordained you. You are going to be a prophet to the nations. Now, that is not a word given to everybody. That is a specific glory to be manifested by a specific person. And I want you to understand that whether you have heard words like Jeremiah or not, whether you have heard God so audibly or clearly or not, the same way he has formed you, the same way he has ordained you for a particular assignment. Thank you for that scripture. Now, I want us to quickly look at Five things that are required, that are what I call required knowledge for being fruitful to God's glory. He said, by this my Father is glorified if you bear much fruit. The first thing is that I want us to understand that we carry this glory in this jar of clay, in this our physical body, in our minds, in our bodies. That's the first thing. We carry God's glory. He said, by this my Father is glorified. As you are abiding in him, you carry his glory in this your jar of clay. Ever since you got born again, you have become a new creation. Your body did not change. Nothing changed about you other than the fact that you have now a regenerated spirit who is born again and is now able to cause your soul to be transformed consistently. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. This is important for us to realize because you see many times, thank you, many times if we don't reflect on this scripture or scriptures like this, we may easily find ourselves underperforming or totally discouraged. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, let's go together everybody, it's on your screen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure, this glorious nature of God, this glory of God that we are to demonstrate, that is his own, that we are to demonstrate, we have it in us. 
so that we know that the excellency of the power will be continuously of God and not of us. Everyone must understand. You see, when you look into the mirror, many days you may not feel like that. The reason why you need to remind yourself that there is a treasure in this your earthen vessel is that when you look into the mirror, you don't always feel like that. When people look at you at times, the things they say to you may not always confirm this. The way life will present from the external to you, looking at this, your physical carcass, your physical person, will not always remind you. You have to keep reminding yourself that I carry on my inside the glory of God as a treasure in this my earthen vessel. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'll read it also to verse 15. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15. Every believer must consistently remind themselves that we have this treasure in these earthen vessels so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. It says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, not chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. It says, now thanks be to God. Thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us. Thank you. Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, somebody say through me. It says through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Through us, the glory is inside this earthen treasure. But as I am going, through me, it starts to be manifested in how many places? Every place. It manifests everywhere. In my home, in my job place, in the church, it manifests. What many believers think is that when we come together as Christians like this, the Bible says when we come together that everyone has one, has a psalm, one has a, a, a hymn, one has a word, let all things be done. So we always think that this fragrance of his knowledge manifests only when we gather as saints together to worship God. That is just another aspect. The Bible says in every place, his knowledge. So it takes understanding of what you carry on your inside. You see, when something is a treasure and you don't know it, it can never deliver to you. It can't. It will just be, you know, like anything else. It is when you know the value of something that it is of value to you. How many people believe what I'm saying? It's when you know it. Take your two-year-old boy and put a 50-pound note. I think they have stopped making them now. Say, give him 100 pounds, five 20-pound notes. Put it in his hand. Where will he put it next? Two-year-old boy? In the mouth, because at that stage of life, everything usually goes to that point. <laughs> if you give it to your 10-year-old, it's a bit different reaction. <laughs> Don't give it to your 20-year-old, in fact. <laughs> because the value, it did not change from the 2-year-old to the 10-year-old to the 20. It's the same currency, but understanding of the person holding it gives it value to them. And helps them to manifest. So every one of us must understand that we, he said he always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses a fragrance. Verse 15, verse 15 before you go. He said, for we are to God the fragrance. What does fragrance do? Emanates, comes out, gives good aroma. NIV says we are the aroma. Sweet smell. Sweet smell. This is not an odor. 
a fragrance, a sweet smell. We are the sweetness of places. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light where there is darkness. But it takes somebody who understands that that treasure is on their inside to bear that fruit of God's fragrance, that glory of God's fragrance. This is why when a place is chaotic and you join a job place and it's always gloom and doom and people are always at loggerheads with each other, when you get there, things must change. Give it time. If you follow these things, you start to find that you become the, the one who is sorting out things there, making peace reign. Because you cannot be in a chaotic place and perform well. Praise the Lord. You cannot. So as you go to work, you find that you carry this fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are truly the one who points the way that the glory of God is here. Hallelujah. So we are vessels which contain this glory. All the things we are able to do and everywhere we go must continue to find a source in him. This is why before he said, by this my father is glorified, he said that you pray, you will ask something and it will be done for you. You will have an effective prayer life and then by this you will see glory because you will be able to pray for it. We will talk a little bit on prayer before we go today. So the first thing to realize is that we carry this glory in chars of clay. Number two, God is able to reveal himself to all men, no matter their race, their heritage, or location. God is able to reveal himself to all men. And when I say all men here, I'm not gender specific but I'm also speaking about those who particularly are naming the name of the Lord. Remember Isaiah 43, 7? Those that have named this name, they are for his glory. So if you have named his name, he is able to reveal himself to you. No matter your location, Psalm 19, verse 1 to verse 4. Psalm 19, verse 1 to verse 4. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, verse 2, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Thank you. Verse 3 now. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Every one of them manifesting in the order of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. There is no place where their voice is not heard. Every one of us must understand that we are part of the picture that makes the whole glory of God. We are part of the puzzle. How many of you know jigsaw puzzles? Yeah? You know jigsaw puzzles? Do they still do them? Or they are all computerized these days? Okay? You know them. You have those things that have a picture and then they are all pieces and you put them together and when you find them and locate them together, you find the whole picture comes out. That is how we are in the body of Christ. And then verse 4 says, their line has gone out through all the earth, go back to Psalm 19, verse 4. Throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, in them, in them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. In them, he has set the tabernacle for the sun. You know the work of the sun? It defines the day. That's why we say the rising of the sun to is going down. So in them, he has set a tabernacle for time, for changes of time, changes of season. He has set a tabernacle. He has set the glory of God, the presence of God, as time goes on. Every one person must understand that God is able to reveal himself 
in and through us. We must continue to celebrate our uniqueness. Your strength may be my weakness, but it doesn't make you any better than me. My strength may be your weakness, but it doesn't make me any better than you. We complement one another, especially in marriage. This is what most people do not understand. I have sat with many people who say, Pastor, you see, the problem is we are so different. I say, that's exactly why God brought you together. He doesn't bring the same kind of people together. You will have a commonality in your faith, of course, your belief systems, your core values, they will be the same. But usually your approach will be different simply because God always brings perspectives and giftings together so that you complement one another. Hallelujah. The same way it works in the church. The same way it works. Even in our workplace, in the places we manifest, we must all understand that there is a uniqueness. You see, you must... You must know these things. Everywhere God puts you is so that you can manifest. You need to locate the way God wants you to walk and operate in that place so that you can manifest his glory. If you take a fish, bring it out of water and put it on dry land, you start to see it gasp and gasp and gasp and tweak and tweak and tweak. If you don't you know, punish it by leaving it to die like that and you put it back in the water, in under one minute... You can't believe that it's the same fish that was almost half dead. <laughs> it goes back into that environment, it's something else. The same way when you see a bird, the beauty of a bird is when it's in the air. You can't see a bird on the ground and appreciate all its beauty. It's when it, it flaps its wings and takes to the sky, especially a bird like the eagle that can fly so high, it demonstrates its glory. I'm making a point here. The glory of even animals that God put inside them is in a specific way and in a specific place. Everyone, believer, must understand that we have a duty to understand God's location, God's, uh, uh, God's deposit inside us, God's gifts inside us. It makes us manifest his glory at every time. I was watching a documentary one day and a monkey was being chased by a lion. That was serious. And there is no chance if that monkey had continued on dry land, that, that lion would catch it in under five minutes and devour it. So the lion did not know that the monkey was looking for the next available tree <laughs> that was in the place. So he was chasing. The lion was so confident that this is free meal today. This is God's provision, <laughs> whatever it was thinking. Whoa, what a day. Free meal, here we are. <laughs> and just when he thought he could leap to catch the monkey, the, 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 the monkey leapt as far and as high as he could and caught the branch of a tree, dangled on that branch and flipped itself to the top of the tree. The lion could not believe his eyes. <laughs> he growled and howled. And that, donkey stood, and that monkey stood there and was just bouncing on the branch. <laughs> Catch me here if you can. You know, now, lions climb trees. Do you know that? Yes. They can climb trees, but not as good as monkeys. Monkeys can hang on two leaves. They do, only God knows how they do it. They can hang on the thinnest thing on a, on a leaf. They will use their tail to hang. So the lion cannot compete with that. The lion went up, went on to the tree. But the moment it was moving away from the heavy branches and they were moving down, he would get afraid and move back. The, light, the, the monkey would go to the tip of the branch and dangle itself again. 
Hallelujah. It was such an interesting thing that taught me a lot of lessons. There is something inside you that no matter how hard the devil tries to kill, he cannot kill. He can growl, he can try. That's why the Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Don't be, don't be afraid of him because you do not have knowledge. When you have knowledge of whom God has made you, if you have an assignment here or not, you know that the devil can do nothing about you. This is why I always say your security is to know your assignment on earth. The first thing, know your assignment, know why God. Everything is tied to why God put you here. That is why you will not be afraid of lack. You will not be afraid of threats. You will not be afraid of human beings. You will not be afraid of anything because you realize that there is a glory of God that is upon your life to manifest in a certain way. And as long as you hold on to that thing and God shows you that there is still more to do, there is nothing the enemy can do to make you afraid. God will continue to reveal himself to you. I say he will continue to reveal himself to you. In the name of Jesus. We are at best in our place of primary calling. Now what I want us to, when I say place, we must also understand, whilst it could be geographically location specific, it is much more of a spiritual state. Every believer, like I said, Paul said in Acts 17, 28, that for it is in him we live and move and have our being. Every believer must understand that everywhere we move, we are in him. When he takes you and deploys you into a place, don't just look at yourself crashing in the place and just becoming an accidental person just there. You don't know what you are doing. God brought you there for a purpose. Manifest to his glory. And you will keep manifesting to his glory in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus said by this, my father is glorified. There is nothing more that brings glory to God than for his children to thrive, for his children to come through in the situations of life that they find themselves Every one believer must walk with this knowledge that first, we are having this treasure in the earthen vessels. This glory is inside us. It's not a function of our bank accounts or what we have and what we don't have. Thank God for those things. They can help in certain ways, but the key thing first is to understand. When you have it on your inside, it commands everything else that you need on the outside. As long as it has work, it's at work on your inside. Everything else that you need. The problem is people are looking for those things outside first. And God is saying, discover what I put there first. Discover the treasure. Relate with this. Celebrate it. Don't be arrogant about it, but be humble about it. That is why prayer is important. Every one of us must understand that. So, what's the first thing? We carry this glory in our earthen vessel. Number two, God is able to reveal himself to all men, no matter their race, heritage, or location. Some people have been deceived because they feel that they come from certain backgrounds, either by way of race or by way of even gender, or even where they grew up, their postcode. There are statistics that say that people who grew up in certain postcodes in this country never do well. Do you connect yourself to such things? I don't. I said, do you connect yourself to such things? I don't. They can tell me I'm burying my head in the sand. <laughs> that WS2 is one of the worst in the country. That is for the statisticians. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I live in WS2 and he says it's one of the worst in the country, I immediately say this is my Goshen. Everywhere I go is a Goshen for me. Hallelujah. And I will shine continuously the light of God in that domain. Now I am not saying we should not allow our children to have the best of opportunities and, uh, you know, stretch themselves, go to the best schools as much as we can to make sure that they keep being on top of things. But never let yourself be hung up with those things. 
I didn't go to what you would call a prestigious secondary school. No, I went to an ordinary secondary school if I was like a military barrack. When I left the United States as a youngster, went back to our country when my father finished his doctorate degree in the early 80s, I went straight into a boys' school in the southern sort of middle belt of Nigeria, but closer to the southwest. And uh, it was an experience of life. I grew up way before that time in a very, you know, it, life was different, to put it mildly. But I went to this place, it was like we were a military cantonment. <laughs> you know, strict discipline, and seniors will punish you and do all kinds of things. I didn't know God was toughening me up because God knew that the way I was growing up, as a last child, I was almost getting spoiled. I didn't know it. I felt it was my right for everybody to give me things because I grew up with people who were older than me. So everybody gave me something. Everybody gave David something. So the first shock I got was when I got to the U.S. and I was the only black child in a white school of 300 and everybody was avoiding me. That was the first time I knew that, you see now, life can be different. <laughs> and then after all that experience settled and I got confident, God now took me to this school where I learned things in a very different way. But with hindsight, I can see, over 40 years now, I can see that God was putting inside me some virtues about human beings and how to be tough in life. When I was leaving that school, straight from secondary school, as a 15-year-old, I got admission to two universities. Some people who went to more prestigious schools did not even get admission like that. That was the first time I knew that it's good to go to a good school, it's good to go to the best possible, but you know something? What really produces is inside you. Challenge that thing that produces. I know somebody, a girl, finished from Blue Coat, one of my friend's daughters, finished from Blue Coat School. Blue Coat is Blue Coat in this Wolverhampton. The girl works today, she has finished her master's. This was many years ago. She has finished her master's. I spoke with her dad last week. She works for Google now. She's paid 70,000 pounds a year. 70,000 pounds a year. So it is good, but don't limit yourself by those things. There is a glory of God on your inside. I say there is a glory of God on your inside. There is something about what God wants to bring out of you. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise. The third thing I would like to say, which is something believers do not understand and will need to understand, is that the glory of God is in us, best displayed through challenging circumstances. Challenges have a way of releasing the glory of God. I have never seen a person that said, I like challenges. No, even when they say it, they are not serious about it. When you bring the small challenge, that's where you know that they don't like challenges. <laughs> but challenges are allowed by God to usually reveal the glory of God. Look at everybody who made something to shine for God in the Bible. Just go through the entire scriptures. You see that there was a challenge and they sh they, 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 their light shone forth. Is it Joseph? Is it Esther? Is it David? Is it Daniel? Keep looking. Keep calling their names. Is it Jesus himself? When he had to go to the cross, that was the biggest challenge any human being has ever faced and will ever face. So the truth is, we must never be afraid of challenges. We must understand that God allows challenges to come to us so that the glory can be revealed. When we are pressed, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, on every side, we are not crushed. When we are persecuted, we are not abandoned. When we are struck down, we are not destroyed. But all things work together for what? Our good. Because them whom he called, he, them whom he foreknew, he called. And them whom he called, he justified. Because he has predestined us, he justified. And them whom he justified, he glorified. 
So glory is the ultimate of every challenge God allows to come our way. Say, but Pastor Dave, I wish you know what I'm going through. I can't see any glory coming out of this one. I want you to know that I may not be able to see it with you, but God sees it. 1 Corinthians 10.13, he said God is not going to allow anything to come towards you, any temptation to come towards you, except the one that he knows that he's going to make a way of escape. And he knows that you have the capacity to bear it. Isaiah chapter 60. Let's read Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 to verse 3 again. Isaiah 60 from verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is what? Risen upon you. For behold, darkness, verse 2. We're going to verse 3, sorry. Verse 3. Verse 2 to 3 now. He said, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Thank you. Verse 2. Verse 2. Behold, darkness, thank you, shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will do what? Arise over you. And his glory will be seen where? Upon you. Darkness has a way of revealing glory. Challenges have a way of revealing God's glory. So when you see darkness, when you see a challenge, don't cry, hey God, you have abandoned me. What have I done to you? Why are you doing this? No, no. That is the time to say, oh Lord, reveal your glory. Show forth your glory in what you have put on my inside. This is the time for you to say, oh Lord, I worship you. Because darkness may be covering the earth. Deep darkness may be covering the people around me. But Lord, you are rising over me and your glory will be seen in me. Hallelujah. Why? Verse 3. So that the Gentiles shall come to your light. Verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to what? The brightness of your rising. I pray that Gentiles will continue to come to your light. In the name of Jesus. Kings will continue to come to the brightness of your rising. In the mighty name of Jesus. I share this testimony, it's still a work in progress, so I continue to covet your prayers. But the reality is that it is a testimony. In the year 2016, I was working for the University of Wolverhampton, and um, there were a few, it's a university that, uh, those of you that know it and have worked there, it's one of the most unsettled places <laughs> that you can work. Everything changes every year, every time. So this year, they, 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 they just said things were changing, and uh, staff position, jobs, and they called me in and said, my job role needs to change. And uh, they asked me to take on a brand new program. Nobody has ever done it before. Even the government was just introducing it. And all over the country, it's not something, you know, when you are given a task that people have done before in other places, it's very easy. You just research what people have done, isn't it? You find things, and then you can get going. But when you are thrown into something that nobody has done before, <laughs> it can be something else. And they called me and said, uh, you will need to help us uh, start our degree apprenticeship programs and run it. I didn't know what they were. That was the first day I started to read about them to know what they were going to be. This was in the year 2016. Of course, I've heard about it, but never really, because it was nothing to do with me. And it was interesting. I went with my line manager then to a meeting to, he was going to present me as the person who would represent our school in this <laughs> newspaper. And, and I was supposed to be like the person who knew what to do. So we sat down in that meeting. 
And this person started saying all kinds. And you know, if you know this country system very well, it is a country of acronyms. Yeah? You will hear acronyms, you will be tired. OJT, TJO, SCO, ESFA, OFS. <laughs> so this woman started reeling all kinds of acronyms. You will be responsible to the ESFA, and Ofsted will come, and then OJT, you record this, you do that, and then this. And I sat down there, I was writing, as if I knew what I was writing. <laughs> I was writing. My, my line manager too was writing. In my mind, I would say, I hope this man understands all these things because after this meeting, he will be the one to explain to me. So, when we got outside, after the whole meeting, about one hour, 30 minutes of meeting, we say, yeah, okay, we, we see what the job is now. <laughs> when we got outside, my line manager turned to me, he said, Dave, I hope you understood all those things. <laughs> I called his name. I said, but you were writing. I thought you understood. <laughs> then he looked at me and said, David, we are finished. I said, ah, we are not finished. <laughs> I said, we are not finished just yet. <laughs> I said, we'll read this thing and we'll understand it. <laughs> I searched everywhere. There was nothing. There. If I, the people you are Googling are Googling you as well to check whether, they are, <laughs> whether there's anything they can find from you. So I went into a mode of study. Somebody said study. Daniel said, give me time. He went to pray and he studied. We talk about his prayer a lot, but if you read it in Daniel where the Bible says he understood by what? Uh (laughs) So that is one thing we must understand. We do both. I will not deceive you and say, I just pray, pray, pray. I pray, 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 but I did what? I did what? Mm -hmm. When you have a new challenge, study, research. Don't just sit down and say, oh God, show me, show me, show me. What is he going to show you? If you have not studied, there is nothing the Holy Spirit can breathe on. The Holy Spirit brooded upon the face of the deep. There is always something he needs to work on. So you study, then he will now say, yes, this is how it fits. That one you read yesterday, go back to it. See that clause, this is where it joins. And then the Holy Spirit will now teach you. Hallelujah. So I studied, and to cut the long story short, we started with three apprentices in 2016. We converted one of our programs by the time I was leaving that university late last year, we had 450 apprentices. 450 to the glory of God. Now, by the grace of God Almighty, by the grace of God Almighty whom I serve, I now lead the same program for a whole university, another university, a whole university. The vice chancellor takes expert advice from me about that program. To the glory of my God. I'm not making mouth about this. But how, how long ago was 2016? From knowing nothing? Just six years ago. From knowing nothing. But the glory is inside you already. I said the glory is inside you already. Darkness came. Pressed me very hard. Pushed me to pray. Pushed me to study. Today it pays me thousands of pounds every month. This God is about to reveal something for you. I say it's about to reveal something for you and through you in the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid of darkness. They called Joseph. He said, can you do this dream? Can you interpret this dream? He said, it's not in me. But don't be afraid. God will reveal to Pharaoh the thing that he has said. Hallelujah. Never be afraid of challenges. I want to emphasize this because our community, especially Afro-Caribbean community, many times in countries like this, we are not able to break the so-called glass ceiling and break into management. 
because of the things I'm telling you now. When we see things that want to stretch us, we run. It wants to stretch us a bit, we run. It wants to demand something more. We like comfortable things. We like comfortable, just stay in comfortable zone. I could stay in 2016 and say, no, let me be doing my lecturing. Somebody say lecturing. lecturing. No, not, not lecturing. Say lecturing. lecturing. <laughs> you know what I mean now. <laughs> let me be doing my lecturing. It's not a problem. I teach my children. That's good for me. <laughs> can stay there. Maybe they would have kicked me out by now. I don't know. They were kicking people out. I don't know. But the truth is this. You can stay at that comfortable level or press or allow the press to bring out the things that God wants for you. When David was confronted, something pressed him, brought out who he was as a giant killer. Before that time, nobody has ever seen one. Nobody ever knew he could do it. But he remembered that there is one or two things this God has done before. I will put my sense into work again and trust this God. And then he did something nobody has ever done before. This is what we need to do. I want to keep challenging our community. This is why in this church we stretch. The kind of songs we sing are not comfortable. I know. I don't need two heads to be told. The choir that you see here, they work so hard. They were here till almost 11 on Sunday, on Friday. They were here up our way. Please clap for the live singers. Because this kind of song, you can't just wake up one day and say, hey, God, is good, and clap hand and go away. You must learn and work very hard. I listened to the person who led today. I'm sure she's not going to mind me saying this. I know when she came here about five years ago, I knew how she was. But look at stretching, stretching, stretching. You cannot believe how she's singing today compared to what it was then. But it takes stretching. Everyone in this team here can lead a song here comfortably now. We didn't used to have that. We had nine people, ten people, maybe three people leading. So we stretch. If you want to go far, in the, when I'm in top management meetings today, where there are about 25 people, top, top people who are leading the university, I'm usually only the only one from my background. Only the only one. And then I'm asking these questions, what is it? Then I find that this is part of it. Not that we don't have the stuff, but we are not willing to stretch. We are not willing to allow that darkness, that challenge to give us. The, the opportunity. I'm releasing by the grace of God upon you today the grace never to be afraid again. God is mightily on your side. I say God is mightily on your side. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. He said for the earnest. Let's go from verse 18. Romans 8 18. He said for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Don't let the suffering deceive you. We're going to verse 20. Don't let the sufferings deceive you. Because there is a glory that is going to come. Thank you. Verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly what waits for who? The revealing of the sons of God. They are in darkness. There is chaos everywhere. So whether you are a doctor, you are a teacher, you are a sports person, you are a student, every time there is a challenge, realize that everyone around you is waiting for a revealing of your sonship, which is the glory of God that he has put inside you. It is darkness that God will permit to stretch you into coming into it. He said, verse 24, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in what? In hope. Hope for what? Hope for you and I to manifest. This is why as a church, we are taking time to build a strong foundation because of where we believe and understand that this mission is going. I am an African. I came from Nigeria. I was born in Nigeria. 
I know many, many things that the way we can present and we can just create a Nigerian setting here very easily. But I know that a lot of the things we do will not necessarily create that because of where we are going. And I am not against my own people. I value my own people. One of my mentors told me that your greatest asset, if you are a person, and I know that, is to have Nigerians around you. You can't beat the strength of Nigerians. They are very resilient people. That's why the governments continue to abuse, sadly, abuse that resilience. Nigerians are tough people. We are very tough people, and I'm grateful to God for that. And many Africans are the same. But the truth is that 100 and something years ago, some people came to my country and they affected my late grandfather, great grandfather, my late grandfather. And he was one of those to be saved by them. And I studied the history. I studied how those people presented and how they could reach a person like my grandfather, my late grandfather, and get them saved and bring them in. And I found that they were very tactical and strategic. And God said to me, that is how we must be as a people. He has sent from different nations from across the world to be tactical and strategic. It will be challenging. It will stretch us. It will bring us to a place where we feel, ah, but we must never give up. I say we must never give up because there is a creation that is waiting. Not willingly, but is waiting because we are subjected in hope. And we will manifest to the glory of God. I say we will manifest to the glory of God. One of my mandates is to continue to help as many people God is bringing from the various backgrounds, from outside the, the country, particularly those that maybe share heritage with me, to keep stretching, to keep pushing, to keep pushing. Don't stop at where you are. Don't stop at where you are. My wife retrained as a nurse in this country. She retrained. She was a business administrator when we came to this country. And when we saw that she had to change career and she looked at what she could do because she was running her own business back home, she went into nursing. She started as a nursing assistant and trained and trained and trained. Today she's doing a postgraduate program in nursing to the glory of my God. I don't encourage people to just stay. I encourage people to keep stretching because you see the more God gives you influence and a voice in the world system, the more you are able to influence many other people. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So that is part of my duty. And the second part of my duty, obviously, is to continue to keep us in that place where we build that foundation. So let's do the journey. Let's walk it. The glory of God is surely risen upon us. I said the glory of God is surely risen upon us in the name of Jesus. Number four, we must have an active prayer life. An active prayer life. Number four. John chapter 14, verse 13. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. John 14, 13. That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When you pray, you allow God's glory to shine forth. That is why I said Daniel prayed and he studied. Keep studying, keep praying. Keep studying, keep praying. Study will help you to show yourself approved. But prayer will help you to show your dependence on God every time. Keep praying. I look at many people that I've known in this church for seven years, eight years, some for the nine years that we have been as a church. Their lives are not in the same place because we are praying and we are studying and we are stretching. We are praying and we are studying and we are stretching. And I believe that that is part of what God wants to do when he said he wants us to raise with him a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. 
they are very essential for us in this end time. The last thing I would say is that we can continue to grow from glory to glory. I say we can grow from glory to glory in the name of Jesus. I am never ever settled. Not that I am not contented. There are two different things. I am contented all the time in God, but I'm never complacent. I'm contented in God for who we are today. I'm grateful, but I'm not complacent as to why we need to keep being tenacious, keep being focused, keep being going everywhere. I manage teams in the university today that is from all races. And I know that by the grace of God, if it is the same grace and the same gifting, I know that nothing will stop us from having everybody from everywhere. Now, please get me right. I value everyone. Every one person is important. But I want to keep emphasizing the fact those people from my heritage must understand this church is not about my heritage. It's not. This church is a mission that God has sent to be a movement in this end time that will rethink the way things are done. I look at that banner for LifeGate Communities. We designed it in 2014. It talks about things that we are doing today. If you look at everything there, we didn't print it last year. That is why we are hosting people from Commonwealth countries today. That is why we are talking about looking at capital projects. They've all been there since. There is a vision here. There's a vision here. We are not just any church. Why I have value for every church and what they do and how they do, we are a different ilk. There is a calling to be different. There is a calling to present in a certain way that will take this country and the nations of the world by storm. But we need to wait on God and persistently. I don't care how long it takes. I'm convinced about it. I just want a people who will join me to understand that this is a level of glory. There is more glory to come. I said there is more glory to come in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He said, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding him as in the mirror. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of Christ, of course, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We must continue to understand this. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. We must continue to understand that we will be changed from glory to glory. We must never be reliant and relaxed where we are. Thank God for today. Ask yourself, what do I need to stretch into to advance this mission some more? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to sacrifice? It takes sacrifice to be a change mover. To be a world changer takes sacrifice. You cannot be a world changer and influence anything. You cannot raise a healthy family without sacrifice. You cannot lead any organization without sacrifice. You can't. You cannot do anything tangible, any change that is of importance without sacrifice. At times you sacrifice and stake your life. We say Esther saved all the Jews from dying. What did she do? She put her life on the line. So why do Christians think that just being complacent and just taking it cool will ever do anything? You want to see a change? You want to influence for better? Start from where you are and then make the sacrifices. Make the stretching. Allow yourself. Then the Bible says you will be seeing the transformation from glory to glory to glory. I say you will see the transformation from glory to glory in the mighty name of Jesus. This is a message that is also preparing us for our ninth anniversary by the grace of God, which will take us into year 10 of the ministry. And I just want to encourage that if you are a part of this church, that you have this mindset that is willing to embrace the unusual 
that is willing to embrace the seemingly not so common, not so popular, but yet important to God. And let's ride this journey together. Let's comfortably step into this new phase, believing God. This growth and glory of transformation will happen through the study of the word of God. And by fellowship, the Bible says iron will sharpen iron. Proverbs 27 verse 17. We will sharpen one another, encourage one another in this journey. Because it is the will of God and the plan and purpose of God. I want to believe God that everyone under the sound of my voice, all our church members, those online and those that are away now, because quite a few people are away, I know. And everyone will come to this place of understanding that all that God is seeking from us as a people is to be glorified. I say is to be glorified. For God to be glorified, we will need to bear fruit. For us to be able to bear fruit, we will need to consistently seek his face, know his will, get involved, do the things that he's commanding us to do, and then we'll be seeing him manifest from glory to glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. I conclude by saying that the entirety of our lives must be devoted to the manifesting of the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Every day you wake up, ask yourself, Lord, how will I manifest your glory today? How will I represent you some more today? I spoke to you, I've used my life many times as an example from many, many years ago. I tell you things that is currently happening from now. I don't say those things carelessly. I don't, and I'm not saying it because I want any. I just want you to know that I'm preaching what I'm living. I'm preaching what I'm living. As I'm standing before you now, I know the challenges that I'm facing with the job I have, despite the big testimony that is with it. A huge challenge, very, very huge challenge. But somehow, in my heart of hearts, I recognize that this is how God brings out his glory. This is how God brings out his glory. So never, ever be disturbed about what you see. Just be ready. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He said, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, just keep doing what? Doing all to the glory of God. Can I have 1 Corinthians 10, 31? Thank you. Let's read it together before we break bread. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Just keep making sure that all you are desirous is that God be glorified. When God called me into ministry, I said, Lord, I don't need another job. You have given me so much to do. And he said to me, it's not a job, it's an assignment. And I discovered that as you answer God's assignment, thank you for the scripture, as you answer God for his assignment, what you find is that God starts to do things in your life. This is my plea to every one believer to understand. We are living in dangerous times. We are living in challenging times. But what will be making God command resources to you is because you are living in that place where you are desirous of sharing his, of spreading his glory all the time. And that will be your portion in Jesus' name. I say that will be your portion in Jesus' name. By the grace of God, we are going to break bread right now. But before we do that, I'd like you to rise to your feet with me and let's...